Thanks for listening to the Benefits Breakdown. Stay tuned until the end of our next episode to receive a code for Sherm Credit. Now, enjoy the episode. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Benefits Breakdown. I'm Vanessa Longnecker here with... Hey, everybody. It's Jared Bocut. Hey, everyone. Adam Compton, and let's kick off some fun today. We are going to go deep dive into, I think we need a theme song for this, Beyond the Medical. Dun, dun, dun. Who's ready for the fun? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Well, I think there's, I mean, to the, to the panel here, we've got a, a bunch of things, and we're going to frame this around a recent gap analysis that our team put out, which is just saying that, okay, medical, we spend all the time on. We're talking about all the fun stuff and the cost and the stop loss, the risk and all that fun there, but we often miss and can build on the things that are are around that. So we're going to focus on some things in your normal ancillary lines, some fringe benefits, some family-friendly benefits, and hopefully give some stats and actionable items that can can be worked into your day-to-day life as we're mid-year kind of working into a lot of renewal seasons and, and have some fun. So Maybe I'll turn it off and, and kick a little to, to Jared. What are you seeing in the ancillary side where people are having uh, a lot of success and what can they build on? Ancillaries is such a big, big thing to think about anymore, right? It used to just be ancillary was your dental and vision, maybe life and disability, but that has grown to such a big, big space that Adam, you gave me a, an entire two hours to talk about. encyclopedia. <laughs> But no, I mean, thinking of dental and vision, right? Those are two of another core benefits that most employers out there are offering. But specifically, Adam, you shared this with me the other day, and I like it. A good dental plan can help with your wellness plan because of getting all the things that go along with that. Or your vision can help with your wellness plan because of your diabetes checkup. Are your people that have diabetes getting their vision, annual vision exams? How all those benefits correspond to manage people's overall wellness and care. Technology is crazy, isn't it? I mean, if you haven't got that recently, the dental world, the vision world, they, they, they can do that right in the office. And I think a lot of it just goes back to communication and reaching people. And they often don't know that they have the ability to do those easy things that are built into the plan. Yeah, Adam, to your to your concept, to your point, right? I always say don't let your ancillary benefits sit the bench. With so much focus and the primary focus with many of our clients being financially driven, financially minded, which rightfully so, right? How can we invest our dollars best? Many of these wraparound broader portfolio benefits really have a strong impact on those results alike. So certainly shouldn't be something that's ever overlooked. And that's why I love when we're able to dig in and do these gap analyses, as you've talked about, to get people thinking about what may have set the bench, right, for for their organization or their teammates, or how are they better communicating that with rigor uh, at any point in time throughout the plan year. So you know, when you think about dental and vision, you know, helping to support broader health conditions, heart disease, diabetes is absolutely important. But how are we also looking at layering individual disability insurance or life insurance to ensure that our members are best protected in the event of the unknown? We're seeing a significant uptick, you know, sadly, in both life and DI claims in some reports in excess of 30%, right, through the last few years of COVID dynamics. And unfortunately, many of those are not predicated to or predicted to to disseminate. So 
you know, I think there's a resurgence that's occurring and a new focus, focus on, you know, ensuring they have the right basics in order, better communicating what that benefit looks like, ensuring we have the right disability riders to protect against, right, things that we've seen in this pandemic state and beyond. Thoughts there, team? To me, disability insurance is that one that sometimes can get overlooked with, with the different components of it. Does it, is it the right riders, as you, as you've mentioned, Vanessa, is it the right coverage? Are you going to get, you can have gaps in that disability coverage based on your income? Truly disability insurance became a reality to me several years ago when a dear friend of mine who was diagnosed with cancer and fought cancer for two plus years until he lost that battle. But that disability insurance that he had saved him and his family. Mm -hmm. And it was a wake up call for me that this is a, a benefit that is a vital benefit because it's one you don't need until you need it. Absolutely. I think a lot of people, like they, they call it LTD in our industry. We say last thing discussed, which it often should not be. Right. And I think the build on that, it's also the challenge to our, our customers and friends on the, on the podcast that you want to review your contracts to make sure that we're covering you when you need to be covered. So on our life insurance, if you want to cover commissions or bonuses or W-2, to align that between both voluntary life, life insurance, short-term, long-term, voluntary disability, whatever it might be, because I'm sure to us here, and I know it's to many others, we've seen situations where you think you're covered for something and you're not. And when you need it, uh, we've, again, unfortunately seen where that has not been there. So the correction of that is a passion of ours and helps protect people when they need it. So um, hopefully can keep building and supporting people that way. Really great point. I mean, we've seen through this war on talent, really creative comp Mm. plans and a resurgence of very creative comp plans. Some of those that rely heavily on different bonus mindsets or commission-based volume. And if your contract terms are not aligned, you could be underinsured, right, as a teammate with the evolution of those, those comp plans at play. So again, just good friendly reminder, don't let that sit the bench, right? Be reviewing that contract, ensure that you've buttoned that up to evolve with your growth strategies as an organization. One of the things that we're seeing a lot of employers do, as you just mentioned, to round out their comp plan, particularly for their higher income earners, is that individual disability. You mentioned that because that is where a yeah. gap can be filled, where some of those people for the standard disability insurance doesn't cover their entire income, not even 60% of their income. They might have a, a 20, 30, 40% gap to meet that 60% or 70% insurance that they may need for that disability that comes up. And individual disability insurance is something that can help fill that gap. And often we're seeing it paid as an employer paid insurance to give an additional additional yeah, perk for those executives or higher income earners. And so there's just creative ways that you can, again, help with recruitment and retention and that's a, a way that we're seeing that. Right. And I would suggest that should be done on a minimum basis annually, right? So there's technically reverse discrim that happens there. The higher the income, uh, the lesser those caps oftentimes, right, will spread on the basic DI policies. So by putting or layering that individual DI, you're making those members whole in reality, but it is seen as a perk in this marketplace, right? You have this additional enhanced benefit. So how are we? creating equity across that space that is one great lever to pull you have such a there's so many good products in place or things in place it's almost like you have food in the fridge and you don't you don't always have to plug more food from the grocery store to get that it's realigning and building on what's for dinner 
and you can find some good things to build into that. That's a horrible reference, but it's the thought that <laughs> it's, it's just the ability. <laughs> just get, Are you hungry, oh, yeah. Adam? <laughs> I think, I think so. Hungry. And we have the ability just to uh, to feed our stomachs full of insurance goodness. How about that? No. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I Bring think I, we're going to we're going to spin and uh, switch a little bit into some other places where we can invest back. But it's one final push: review your current things, review your plans, talk to your your vendors, your partners. Uh, get the things that are already in place and build those communication strategies because you're spending money, let's use and make the most out of it. So as we build into other things, I think we often look at at fringe benefits as well. And that's a very common kind of a big hot topic. Uh, and Jaren, Vanessa, are you seeing more fringe benefits pop up day to day? Oh, heck, heck yes. I mean, we, you know, we've talked about this on other or, or prior podcast series events, but LSAs or lifestyle flex spending accounts continue to be on the rise at definitely a topic of conversation. And for those that were early adopters, we're continuing to see those evolve in how they're leveraging those or funneling dollars through to better meet the individualized needs of a teammate, right? So instead of having a universal, let's say, mental health platform where you're paying a PEPM or a per employee per month fee, you're now stocking that in the medicine cabinet or in your case, Adam, the fridge. <laughs> and teammates can pull um, whatever they want out of that, leveraging your bucket of dollars, right? So in 2022, you know, I know there was a study recently launched that 65% of employers were considering providing some form of lifestyle spending account to their employees at some point in the future. Another 10% have already implemented. I would argue that that's rapidly changing with the volume of conversations we continue to have here. Certainly no different than on the heels of, you know, Roe v. Way. We've seen these leveraged for new ways of travel benefits that are completely outside of the realm of, of a medical uh, spend. So there's a lot of creative things happening, work from home stipends that they're uh, certainly a big piece of pop health strategies for most employers, but it lends itself to a lot of flexibility. So that is one I would definitely say we're having a lot of conversation around. Pet insurance, ID theft, legal identity, all of those have been in the wings for quite some time. Sometimes those are even layered into those LSA conversations. Again, let members choose what works for them, pick from their menu, you decide what makes that menu or that medicine cabinet or that fridge, you stock it and let them choose. Vanessa, I want to revisit real quick lifestyle spending accounts. I'm not going to be an employer. I'm just going to ask you a direct question. What are are you seeing employees cover on lifestyles? Because they have not 100% discretion, but they have a lot of discretion on what they're going to allow to be covered. And I'm putting you on the spot, but can you list some of the things that you're seeing a lot of your customers or Adam, you can jump in there too, that they are allowing to be covered with those lifestyle spending accounts? Yeah, and I'll remember some of these benefits are taxable and some have pre-tax right qualifiers. So tax aside, right, we're seeing these cabinets stocked with a multitude of favorites. I would say many are focused on pop health, mental health, and well-being resources, right? So finding a solution, whether it's a one-on-one counsel service, whether it's a telemed delivery, whether it's some sort of stipend for uh, workout at a local gym membership, maybe it is to sponsor a Peloton membership or write their monthly payment towards their Peloton bike they recently purchased. Adam would appreciate that. I know he's a Peloton guy, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Me too. I'll see you on the bike, good. Adam. You got to work off everything I know. you're eating in Lunch that was fridge good. there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot of creative awesomeness happening around pop health, behavioral health, uh, tied back to LSAs. 
next to that, I would also say a lot of work from home benefits. So supporting ergonomic right needs, supporting uh the delivery of and the mechanics of having more and more volume of work from home teammates in any given population. It's been a really nice play. Again, it's more of the delivery mechanism, all landing through the same vehicle, thought of as a benefit, right? But in the reality, these are perks that you typically had in a traditional office setting, right? But you're choosing what works best for you, meeting maybe with an ergonomic specialist to support those investments can also be funneled through some more creative platforms wanted to dig deeper into that. So thanks for going into those because I think a lot of employers don't understand how much freedom a lifestyle spending account can create for them to give different perks for their employees. We have a client who has a really male dominated blue collar population. They allowed for hunting licenses to be purchased through their lifestyle spending account. So they got creative and things like that. And I think those kind of perks you can get specific to your population. We know you're from Texas exactly. now, huh? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you do have to know your audience. It's it's It can be very creative, very specific to a given organization. I think I've even shared on a prior podcast we've seen, you know, you get $200 within your first month as a new hire towards a new pair of sneakers. And the only requirement is that it has something lime green on it. Maybe it's the laces because that's our corporate color, right? So fun, creative things you can do with your branding can also be tied back to some of these new benefit features. It's just stocking it again with the, with the right players to deliver on it. I know we're beyond the medical, air quotes, but the lifestyle spending accounts <laughs> can also impact other aspects of the business. Like MSK, you talked about remote care, and yes. what's happening, or we seen often, is again the drive up of people working from home, bad ergonomic setups, and we're seeing that remote work and sedentary life drive an increased back and joint pain. So there's there's kind of that flip. All right, we're investing money, and we're putting that money into this program, but it can impact things that are can be really really big cost drivers. So kind of we've seen trends. We talked about where the lifestyle spending accounts are going. From 10% of the marketplace, about 65% of the people or employers are looking to add that. The same type of shift up on the MSK approach where we're seeing most employers wanting to have, uh, and I say most, the stat that we saw recently was 70% of employers are going to have at least some sort of digital musculoskeletal solution in 2023. So there's these correlative pieces that uh, if you look at it from an investment perspective or need to entice the C-suite, there's a bigger play that we can use to help uh, tell the story. And I think that's really important when we build the messaging out. Yeah. It, regardless of whether you're headed down the path of an LSA or otherwise, I think you bring up a really great point. You know, when it comes to we're working different, people are thinking different. Uh, we know that the needs have evolved in in the last few years on the heels of unprecedented times, right? So how do we meet those needs is the reality that the LSA looks to chase, and they're different for every teammate. Uh, we do know that 90% of employers are suggesting they're increasing their investment in mental health and well-being. So whatever the delivery mechanic is, right, LSA or otherwise, we know that there's a heightened focus there. Again, that's a very individualized care need. How do we create more access? I mean, this is equally a big piece of our gap analysis conversations, right? Studying who has access, where there may be gaps in access, where there's underlying or precursors of risk. How do we meet them where their needs are? There's no silver right ticket mm -hmm. for. 
but we do know that it's a growing demand and there's there's growing volume of solutions available. So vetting those and finding what culturally fits best for you is super important in this space, but not just for you as an organization, but for you as an individual um, is where that a lot of our conversations have shifted. Hence back to that LSA. So I love in the mental health space that we're seeing more digital telephonic solutions come into play. I think that it creates easier access for people to get this type of care that historically wasn't there. And as we're doing data reviews and having clients that have implementing some of these strategies, we're seeing upticks across the board, particularly in the male population where they have a digital platform that they can engage with the provider, either telephonic or otherwise. For whatever reason, that stigma is being broken down that they don't have to go into an office, that there is an alternative solution and easier access to that care. And we're seeing uptick in people engaging in that and that is fantastic. So employers that are out there considering things, there are so many options, as you just alluded to, within that mental and behavioral health space that can create easier access to care. That's a buzz phrase in the industry, but it's a reality. The easier the access to care and the more comfortable someone is getting access to that care, so meet the people where they are. If they're easier, if they want to do it in person, create access to care that way. If they want to do it digitally, create access to care that way. And you can care for your people in so many different ways. Jared, you're right on. Yeah, I mean, it's quite remarkable, actually, in how short of a period of time we've seen a massive, massive amount of uptick and in investment in these solutions and adoption, right? So there's, it's proofs in the pudding. People are more willing. They're clamoring for resources. Finding that res- right resource is really what's most important. But many employers, you know, having conversations around how these are tied back to increase in employee retention, increase in employee, you know, year over year revenue growth, ROI from reduced healthcare spend. It goes a long ways, right? And so a little bit uh, goes a long ways is absolutely, you know, a piece of this dialogue. And it's so ingrained in a very broad population base of need. Uh, Jared, Vanessa, I love those pieces so much. And tactically for our, our those listening, I just a couple ideas just to throw out on what they can do to help build that because there are, there's a ton coming at employers and messages and, and from a plan design or even just normal communications. I think we're seeing what we've, uh, through Brown & Brown, called a reimagined EAP. And what we're trying to do is really great that engagement, right? You've got broader visits. You might take your normal EAP that has three visits and expand that to eight or 12 visits. That becomes a place where you can actually solve a problem. Uh, and you create that engagement that can uh, solve that problem. Uh, you also have the ability uh, to really share that messaging from the C-suite down. Again, that's big in our world. And I think that's an important piece to help drive people to get that taken care of. So I think the challenge is, is maybe expand your visits, maybe even take out any place you have a cost to an employee and make it nothing, any, particularly telehealth or virtual visits. But dig deeper. Where in your plan design can you remove the cost? And openly, if you have a virtual health visit, barriers. it's yep. 50 to 150 bucks or something. That will save you oodles of money over time by investing up front. So goes back to that story and how you, how you share that the investment will pay dividends over time. 
Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's advocacy, right? So we're talking about layering very customized advocacy. I don't care if it's mental health, if it's MSK, as you've already mentioned, Adam, you know, another big buzz I would say that we see from a gap analysis, from a data analysis, and from a needs, right, assessment and interest analysis for employee survey is around all things and fertility, right? So, you know, very customized advocacy, solutioning, and support is available in the market for those that are not aware, number one. Two, it's finding the right fit, right? And so it's... There's a lot of great solutions out there. I'm sure you, you know, you both could speak a little to what you're seeing for trends there alike. Well, and I think it comes back to understanding your population specifically and what those needs are, right? One of the things that we do on a regular basis is demographic analysis and take that on top of employee surveys. You can understand the demographics of your population, understand what they desire and what they want, and then you can really tailor the benefits that are going to help your people get exactly what they want. I think oftentimes we get in our minds, even as brokers, things that our clients should be doing, but we need to understand the populations and really understand what their needs are and understand the whole purpose of an employee health and welfare program is to recruit and retain talent. So let's give our people what they want to help recruit and retain. And if understanding the population, infertility is something that is desired among the population, Let's help find the right solution because there are a plethora of solutions out there, whether it's Carrot or other, any of the other vendors out there that can help with these infertility benefits, help the people understand how to get access to those benefits and get access to treatment to those benefits. There are solutions in place. If it's mental health, if it's what, whatever the case is, there are solutions out there. Yeah, and sometimes it's carving risk out of the medical plan itself and giving a very specialized, right, kind of the concept of a centers of excellence, right, solution to plug and play. I think that's an excellent excellent point, Jared. We're going to have to strike that from the record because we're beyond the medical here on this episode. <laughs> so just want to make uh-huh. sure that we're on Yep, page. this is. It's beyond, beyond the, medical. the medical. It's carved you know, out. Jared, you brought up... <laughs> potentially standalone. <laughs> Hopefully You brought integrated. up uh, Carrot, which, you know, and there's there's good partners and vendors in that space, We've seen some success on the financial aspect too, where I think some people think if I implement this, it's just going to cost more. And they had a study that showed 97% of employers that implemented that didn't have a cost increase. It actually trended down because it's managed the right way. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to communicate and build. And ultimately, I think the market's calling for it. We've seen the growth just boom, particularly in the past few years. And the expectation is that it's going to keep growing and growing. As we particularly as we enter in more of a DEI conversation as well, that's going to be a necessary thing that uh, if you're not doing now, start talking about and build the conversation. So what else? We're seeing a lot of things in the uh, family-friendly world. I mean, there's a lot of news and impact going on real time with customers and friends, and, and we're seeing a lot of things grow in the leave space, and that's a very... Uh, broad area as well, almost like the word ancillary that can be taken in a lot of different directions from could be just regular maternity, could be paid adoption, parental, foster, paid family, all these different pieces. But I think in general, what we're seeing, particularly in that gap analysis, is that everything is driving up, meaning from uh, one year to the next, we're going to see more adoption and more flexibility to meet people where they are based off where the organization is. So Jared, I love what you said before about listening to you know, the organization asking the question. Uh, and maybe that's even going out to survey the population of what the employees and their families think about that. 
uh, and that's always a dangerous thing openly. You might not want to hear that. Uh, I'm just a big believer that the best time and every piece of feedback that you can get from an employee, even if it's not good, is a chance to learn and listen. So I think you have a chance to build using, uh, could be basic technologies like a SurveyMonkey, Cvent, Glint, whatever it might be, to help reach people and then build that foundation of knowledge. What are you both seeing on the, the leave side? Is it crazy and wonderful or exciting and new? I'm not sure if those are actually two different things. Crazy and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> those are two two polar opposites. No, I mean, I think that the landscape, as we've talked about in prior podcasts, is, is evolving rapidly. I think, you know, there's certainly a lot of speculation around federal leave laws still on the horizon. The reality is we see it vary by market. Many employers now more and more, um, you know, domestically expanded or global in nature? How do we create equity when one county-specific reg creates this leave law and the next creates, you know, ABC leave law? It is creating a slew of uncertainty for employers and or potential risk. So there's a lot of eye on the prize. When we're talking gap analysis, you better be sure you're including leave, thinking about where your teammates reside, what liabilities, state-specific leave qualifiers must be acted upon and or to that regard, you know, the same goes for mandatory training requirements and the like. So it is uh, one of those perils of the new global workforce or uh, virtual workforce dynamics we're seeing play out here. It's created some unique boundary and unlimited boundary right realities for employers not to mention taxation but we're not going to go there today team we'll keep that one let, in the fridge. let me just say when we talk about leave i am makes me more grateful that we have an entire leave team and a team of subject matter experts yeah, in that absolutely. space because my head spins when i start to think about each individual city and <laughs> county and state leave law that's coming on the books on a regular ongoing basis and so it's, it's something that I don't, I don't want to begin to say that I'm an expert in by any stretch of the means, but it's something that we watch the laws regularly. And, and it's something that employers have to, as they assess, we're going to open up business in this state. They need to start to know what laws are right. going to be, or what, how's that going to impact them, not only from the taxation side of it, but the leave side of it and all the things that go into that disabilities and, and the, each laws are so different and, and there's so many things they have to consider before they open doors and do business in a particular state. It's not just yeah. international. And it's not even opening doors. It's letting a teammate work virtually yeah. in a new Good state point, because yeah. it follows that, right? So I think many have sadly been faced with reactionary, right, impact or results there they have to respond to. But you're, you're so, so, so right. It's very dynamic. It's, it's very evident why we have teams of experts on this front. But I would also argue it's the same reason we continue to see a growing trend towards outsourced leave management, right? And many still want some layer of personal touch or high touch or white glove, unique cultural experience when you're handling some of these leaves. The reality is there's a lot of risk there that many are looking for partners. Oftentimes it's tied back to a DI player, but not always. Um, but I would say that it also speaks to another trend we're seeing when we're talking about, you know, how are you administering that today with our client base? One thing that we talked about during family friendly benefits or we had talked about in the pre-show talking about was family care and how you're caring for other family members. Adam, I'd be curious what you've seen or how you're seeing employers tackle this because the sandwich, the sandwich generation is a reality. And a lot of us in, in the employee e-space 
are that sandwich generation? And what are you seeing employers do to help there with a family-friendly benefit? It's, it's an amazing question, Jared, and hopefully a, an equally amazing answer because I think that uh, we're just seeing a complexity of many different vendors, partners, integrated solutions, but at the core of it is trying to support everybody no matter where they might be on that journey with somebody to reach out to and build the first step so that person knows to reach out to them when they want to get to that point. So that might be everything from helping somebody at home if they're unable to manage or have to get to work and have somebody watch the kids. What we're just seeing is that many people don't know where to turn to, and many people are investing into these solutions, but they're not communicating a way to reach people in that caregiver space or caretaker space or family-friendly space. Uh, so what we just heavily encourage is you might not need a thousand more vendors. It's the reintegration of the of the, the people that are supporting that. And I think we're going to see that continually yeah. build. I think, Vanessa, you said the word you know, advocacy earlier. That's that's just consistent across each of these different platforms that we're talking about. How do we get people to the right spot? Yeah, I think it's overwhelming, right? So when we talk about advocacy, we're also looking to double down on stress management, relief, um, you know, when we get into that mental health space, how are we better supporting teammates when we're asking more and more of them potentially in the workforce so that they can keep their focus um, on things that they know best and that they have their most passion around but not feel lost, right, amidst all the other pressures in which they're faced. I think it builds into that traditional wellness benefit. In the gaps analysis, it was, you know, up, up, up and trend, trend, trend. But some of those things that are ex existing from general wellness programs or flu vaccinations or health risk assessments, some of those are trending down, actually, from what they've seen in the past. Uh, you mentioned stress management. That's one that's boomed from a few that kind of integrates that mental health space a bit more. And I think we know what that stress management really does and impacts an employer is, you know, we've missed days, lower overall productivity, high turnover, workers' compensation claims that find themselves in there. And so all those things mirror into our, we know the problem, but when we manage it, we implement, we target the right partners and people, we can have that stronger company culture, integrate less sick days, more employee retention, talent acquisition, and just frankly shows that you as an employer care about your employees. And I can't tell you how culture. much that just drives, just yeah. showing that that person's willing to listen, it will build dividends to the other aspects of your business. Absolutely. It speaks volumes for culture, right? And that is the number one thing that this this new age workforce is, is seeking, right? When they're looking at opportunities and where they want to invest their time and energy supporting a corporate initiative, they want a great culture and a culture of care that, that you know, will respond to those needs. So we're definitely seeing a lot of focus there. And that's that's one that, you know, might be outside the box for some leaders, you know, of of legacy. But I think we're seeing that evolve quite rapidly. So, Vanessa, you bring up an interesting word, and we can talk about this for another episode another time, but the culture aspect. I think a lot of these things help create that culture, right? And it was interesting to me. To, I was assisting uh, interviewing a future leader, hopefully with our teammate here in Brown and Brown. Hopefully he's joining us soon. It was a terrific interview in he talked about the culture aspect and one of the things that drew him away from his current employer, because I asked him, why are you looking and, and what's driving you to want to leave? And it was that culture. And he felt a culture difference here at Brown and Brown. Yes, I'm going to talk about how great we are because we are. We're pretty great, I think. But I the culture agree. difference that that has been created within Brown and Brown was what, what was drawing him to want to 
become a teammate here at Brown and Brown. That culture difference is such a reality in today's world and how beyond the medical benefits can help establish that culture. And there's so much more to culture. I know that, but these benefits we've talked about today create a culture of caring and it does help attract and retain talent. And that's again, why employers spend millions of dollars on these benefits is to help attract and retain talent. So create the culture you're trying to create, use these benefits to do that. Look at the culture you want to create, look at things you can do different to create that culture. And there's options out there. Have talks to your, to your partners today that you're working with, have talks with a Brown and Brown friend or somebody to learn about the benefits that are out there to create the culture you want. So important. And I think I I have to build on that because I know we're wrapping up here, but as we talk about beyond the medical, we have to bring a little bit of fun for the the close here because the dad joke of the day, which those that don't me enjoy a good dad joke, but the dad joke of the day fits us well, goes back to the ancillary line of business. And I I throw to you, Jared, Vanessa, what do you call or who do you call for help with your Bluetooth? The dentist, right? (laughs) Anyway, that's a horrible dad joke, but I feel like it just, it had to be said in the worlds of beyond the medical. You've got, you know, he's hungry and he's got great Every every day, everybody, every day Adam has a dad joke. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, so true, Jared. Everything we've talked about, you know, don't sit the bench. It's all back to culture. And it couldn't be, you know, greater to share some of, you know, I love this time we share together with all of you to share what we're seeing, what we're hearing. The reality is how we solve for your greatest cultural opportunities really starts with listening, right, to your membership, understanding your population, leveraging data to drive the greatest results so you make the best possible investments, right? Not just chasing what the market suggests is the latest trend. I couldn't stress that enough. You never want to productize uh, a solution, but really drive the best solution for the outcomes, you know, that align to your goals. So excited uh, to share more as we look to the future. Appreciate you tuning in again today. And thank you. Thank you all for the fun. 